Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Parents, when you leave today, don't forget that you're going to get this little piece of paper. It's going to talk about what they talked about today. But it's also going to give you some things to talk about during the week. It's, it's uh, Freedom Kids, just a little info for you, but it also has some parenting cues on there. So we put this on our refrigerator. And Tuesday of this past week, I'm like, you know what, I, I kind of want to, we're eating breakfast, getting ready for school. But as a dad, kind of one of the steps that I want is to, I want to teach my kids about Jesus. At the same time, even though I'm a pastor, I'm, always, I'm not a kid's pastor, so I don't really know exactly how to do that or whatever. And then, boom, this is staring me right in the face. I'm like, oh, good, all right. So I look at it. It says, morning time. Start your kid's day off by acknowledging something that they've been trying to accomplish and encourage them to keep at it. The finish line may be closer than they think. I'm like, all right, that's great, perfect. Because my son, Jeremiah, who's nine years old, uh, we got him a basketball for Christmas. And so he's been wanting to play basketball out on the playground, but he just, you know, he's still learning. And so we've been doing some practice um, over the break. We go to the YMCA and he starts dribbling or whatever. So I said, you know what, Jeremiah? I'm just, I'm so glad and I'm so proud of you for how you've been practicing dribbling and you've been getting better at at basketball over these past few weeks. And his sister goes, well, I'm really not that good. Like I haven't really got that much better. So as dad, I'm like, oh, no, we are not having that kind of talk in this house. You know, so I was like, well, listen, man, when we first started, you could barely even look at the ball and dribble. And then when we tried to just even go from one hand to the other hand, you couldn't even do that. I said, right now, you can dribble, and you can even look up and dribble, and you can go from one hand back and forth to that. As I'm starting to share, I share a little bit and encourage him and tell him truths about how he's gotten better. I kid you not, he gets up from his breakfast on the table, he runs over, he grabs the basketball, and he's in the kitchen, and he's just like, oh yeah, yeah, and I can, and I can, and I can, and then he does this, and he does this move, he goes, boom, boom, and he goes behind the back, and he goes, I did behind the back, you know, and I'm like, yeah, 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 and what what it caused me to think is, where are you getting your cues from in life? I had a parent cue that reminded me to have a conversation with my son when I said, hey, you've been doing such a good job in getting better and improving in this. And his natural instinct was, I'm not, I'm really not that good. But when his daddy started speaking about the truth about what he's been on improving on, all of a sudden his perspective changed on what his father was speaking to him. And so what I want for you today and for us as a church I want you to get a word from your father. I want your dad. You are not who they say, or you are not who, what you think. You are who your father says you are. And and it doesn't matter what we feel. It doesn't matter what we have experienced. We got to get our words from Jesus. So I want you to get a word. I want you in this season. I'm always wanting you to get a word from God, to get a word from Jesus. And we're going to kind of focus in on that today. Where are you getting your cues? Because Peter said, you are the Messiah. And he got that right. And then Jesus starts speaking. Jesus starts speaking into his life 
uh, and giving him some purpose. We, we, uh, we, we get to do this. On Romans chapter 12, this, verse 1, this is kind of my life verse. He, getting our words from God. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. When I, I remember reading that for the first time when I was 23, and I finally was like, yes, you are Lord and Savior and Messiah. This one verse wrecked my life but wrecked it in a good way because it's not just my physical body. This is, to me, this is like, this is all-encompassing. Give your whole mind, body, soul, finances, kids, relationship, everything, career. Give it all to Him. This is the way to truly worship Him. When I read that, I'm like, okay, I want to worship God, and it's going to take everything. In me, and we, and that's consistent through Scripture. That's consistent that all peace, but he doesn't stop there. He says, "Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world." All right. So John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, right, that He gave everything. He loves the people of this world. He loves all the people of the world. He loves the world, but He does not love the value system of the world. The value system has got it all backwards. Don't conform, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This is a mind thing today. The words we get, the words we get from God. He's trying to, to work with our minds. We've got to strengthen our minds here. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing Imperfect. Who doesn't want to know what's God's will for my life? I want to know God's will for my life. Am I on the right track? Well, are you giving all to Him? Are you giving Him every area of your life? We're not perfect in this, but are you doing your best and giving your all? That's the starting place. And then let Him speak to you and transform your mind and start living this out. Peter says, you're the Messiah. Jesus starts talking. Here's some words that we get when God starts talking. One is you get a word of purpose. You get purpose. He says, you are Peter. He changed his name right in that moment. He didn't really care. He didn't ask, hey, can I change your name? No, he just said, you're Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. On your confession that Jesus is the Messiah, the Lord, let's start with that as our foundation. We're going to start with it, and you're going to be the leader of this thing. Peter is going to be the leader. Now, if you know anything about Peter, you kind of might wonder, is he the right guy to be the leader? If you read in Matthew chapter 16, just a few verses later, I mean, we don't even get out of chapter 16, and Jesus is looking at Peter saying, hey, Peter, you, you're in the wrong, get behind me, Satan. Like, I can't even imagine Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan. To, like, I get, I, get, I get all torn in pieces when Rita like, just gives me the look, like the sideways look. Like, guys, you know, when you get the look and you're like, oh, uh, you know, and I'm devastated. I'm like, ah! And here's Jesus, the one you're saying is the Messiah of the Lord. He says, get behind me, Satan. 
He wasn't specifically Satan, but he's saying, you're an adversary. You are an enemy to my will and my ways. You're, you're thinking only through the flesh. This is the one he's saying is going to lead the church. If we, you think about Peter and the future, and Jesus knows this. He even told him, he's like, Peter, you're, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny even knowing me. And Jesus is like, most crucial moment where I need somebody, his best friend Peter, this leader of the church, like, I don't even know him. Three times denies even knowing Jesus. Then we get, we get into the church has started. Jesus has already died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. They got this mission to go reach the world. And, and what we find uh, is, is Peter, he's leading the church, and we read this, and we don't think about this, we read that he goes and he, he reaches the Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And he meets in the Cornelius' house, and, Corn, and Peter says, I've never been in a Gentile's house before. Which we, okay, fine. We're supposed to go reach the whole world, so we got to start somewhere. What we don't really, it was years later, after the church was already birthed and started. Some even say like 10 years later before he enters a Gentile's house for the first time. Like, when were you going to start this mission, Peter? When were you going to get over your racism and start reaching out to these, these people? This is the leader that he's caught. And Jesus says, you're the one. You have purpose. This is why I want you to get into the Word. This is why I want you to open up your Bibles. Some of us, were doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you want to join in on that, you can... Tell me, and I'll get you. You'll do 14 days of prayer and fasting. You start tomorrow with us. But get into the word and get a word from God because God will start speaking and He'll speak purpose into your life. He'll, he'll start to let you know. And, and what I know, we talked about this last week, is that losing hurts. The enemy will try to either distract us or He'll discourage us. So Peter, at any point in time, through any of those things, hey, chapter 16, get behind me, Satan. I'd be like, ah, I know he said I'm supposed to be a leader, but I don't think I'm the right one. Like, I know you said that, but I think I need to kind of step away and get my life right before I can do any, any of that. Losing hurts. Any Cowboy fans in here? <laughs> you guys are okay today. I think you got it in the bag. 49ers, um, I, I, like, you, can, you can ride smooth today. At least you should, all right? I'm a Chiefs fan, all right? I'm, root, I'm rooting for them. Any Broncos fans in here? Okay, you guys know how it feels to lose. All right, anyone who's, who's like, I don't do football at all. Like, I, I'm not, all right, you're like, go science, right? Um, <laughs> I don't, losing hurts. Losing in life really hurts. A divorce you didn't see coming. A job loss you didn't see coming. A diagnosis that comes. This week I had one of my favorite pastors found out he had a moral failure and committed adultery, and he's done. And that hurts. It hurts when we make mistakes, when overwhelming circumstances, when overwhelming circumstances come into our lives. Hello, Omicron has just shut down the schools again, parents in the room, and we're like, ah, what are we going to do? And, it's, and it hurts. The losses piles up and it drains. And somehow, we, sometimes we get to this thing called the church and we're like, ah, I, gotta, I got to do these things. 
I, I, I have to do this in church or even in marriage or with my kids. Well, I have to do this and I have to do that. And we lose sight that we get to. And the enemy will use these distractions and these losses um, to, to pile on and drain us. And what, what we see here through Peter is hope for us. Because Jesus is like, Peter, you're the man. Peter, you have purpose. Peter, you're going to lead this thing. And I see him saying that to you and I today. When we're talking about the birth of the church, we are the church. The church is not a building. The church is not an organization. It is a body. It is an organism. It is a family. And, and you are the church. When we leave here, we're going to go be the church. You get a word of purpose in this statement, but you also get a word of promise. You get a word of promise from Jesus. He says, the powers of hell will not conquer it. That's a lot of power that he's putting behind this promise, that nothing's going to stop the church. How many of you, um, I don't need to know all your personal finances, but how many of you have like some sort of, of, of debt, like a mortgage loan or school loan or a car loan or something where we have some sort of, some sort of debt, all right, okay? So we have these things in our life, our credit card debt, different things. And how many of you have, a crazy family member, like a crazy uncle or an aunt or anything. Like you, in a way, if you're not raising your hand, you might be the crazy family member. <laughs> okay, uh, I have a crazy Uncle Joe. All right, and I, I like to pick on my my Uncle Joe. I love him. But um, let's say crazy Uncle Joe gives you a call today and says, "Hey, I know you got uh, the student loans." I know you got the, the, the mortgage that you're trying to pay off and you got a car loan that you're trying to pay off. You got this debt, but guess what? I'm going to meet you tomorrow. I got a check and it's all covered. Got you taken care of. Crazy Uncle Joe, you crazy, man. Like you just got a little bit more crazy. Like, no. Now, contrast with the hypothetical that Elon Musk gives you a call. And somehow you're actually able to verify that it's Elon Musk. And he says, hey, I heard you got the student loan debt. I heard you got the mortgage. And I heard you got the car thing. Listen, I'm going to show up tomorrow, and I've got a check for you. And, and we're going to just wipe all that out and take care of. I, I'm going to trust that phone call a, a little bit more. I'm going to trust that promise a little bit more. The promise... The promise is only backed by the person who is making the promise. And Jesus is the one who is backing up this promise that says, not even death or hell is going to conquer my church. And guess what? Death did try to conquer what Jesus was doing, and Jesus defeated death. He defeated sin, he conquered it, and now that victory is ours as inheritance. So, so when he's making this promise, the promise is backed by the person who's making it, and he's already defeated it. But we will live as Christians, as his church, we will live as if we don't. We will live as if we are not victorious, that we don't have that power, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, that same spirit is living inside each and every one of us. And oftentimes we'll forget that. So when Jesus says, 
you are Peter. He's speaking purpose into Peter, into you and I. And when he makes this promise, he's speaking of great power that is behind his church, which is what I want to go to next. He says, this is my church. My church. This is Jesus's church. This is where his presence is going to be. You get a word of presence. Now, church. The Greek word is ekklesia, which means an assembly. The word church, that's such a triggering word. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, when I, when I say church to you, I don't know what comes up. But not even just inside this room. But you talk to people outside of this room. And you just mentioned church. Woo! Talk about a hot topic for people. Talk about just shutting down a conversation real fast. Like, it is a triggering word. So many emotions. And, and so for some of us, it's, it's a painful thing. It's been a, a, a painful experience. For some of us, we think about, like, it's a drug problem. Like, I think about church, and I, man, my mama and my daddy, they had to drug me. They drug me to church. I had a drug problem growing up because I didn't want to go, and they just kept dragging me and dragging me and dragging me. Uh, maybe it's boring or irrelevant. Maybe it's a place of hope. Like, it has been a life-transforming, life-giving purpose-filled thing, like it just triggers a broad spectrum of things. And Jesus says, this is going to be my church. Now, he's saying this is an assembly of people. Like this wasn't new to them. Israelites would gather in an ecclesia in local synagogues and assemble together. The Greeks and Romans, they would have community government where they would have an ecclesia and they would gather together for the common good of the community. They had an assembly. But Jesus said, this assembly is going to be united around me and my mission and what I'm trying to do on this earth. I'm going to build my ecclesia. So you have, when you give your life to Christ, you are part of the big C church. You're just like, hey, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He's the big, it's big C church. You're in. But when you look at the New Testament, when you read through the book of Acts and this church takes off, that big C church manifested itself in small little C churches. So that's why you get like the book of Ephesians because Paul is writing to the little C church that's a part of the big C church in Ephesus. And you have the, the book of Philippians because he's writing to a church in Philippi. And so from the very beginning, you had big C church, but it was all these little, little C churches that, that started and carries on to you and I today right here at Freedom Church in this little ecclesia church where we are assembled for the mission to tell people about Jesus. All right, that's a little, okay, that's like, okay, ecclesia, church. Here's what I want you to know, and this is what God's been speaking to me. 
Not that, oh, okay, well, now I understand the theology of Ecclesia or church or whatever. Like, okay, big C church, little C church, I get that. Who cares? He says it's my church. My church. Jesus' church. That means the church has value. The church has value. Now, some of you guys might have just thrown up a little bit in your mouth or in your throat a little bit when you're like, I don't, when you think of church, you don't think of value. But it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what we have experienced. What matters is what Jesus says on the issue. And he says, this is my church and it has value. Now, Christmas time came around for my family. And one day I was at Target in December. And I, I didn't know what to get my, my, my boys. And we were in the toy section there. And I said, and, and Grandma and Grandpa were wanting to know, what do the boys want for Christmas? And I, I was like, I don't know. Hey, we're in Target, so guess what? Why don't you guys walk around? You're not going to get these toys. I had to be like very specific to them. You're not going to get these toys. But let's do this. If you see something you like, we got some pictures of it, stand in front of it, and I'll take your picture. All right? So Grandma and Grandpa, here's some pictures. That, you know, Now you know this is, this is what they want. So you can see... Like, all of a sudden, you thought it was like just Christmas because Charlie just went to town. He was like, this and this. And I mean, he's just like going nuts. I'm like, oh, man, this is a bad idea. Well, the one that he really wanted, it's not in the picture. The one that he really wanted was this, um, um, I'll read it. I'm having a, what's his name? Ryan's World. Does anybody know Ryan's World? You, oh, please do not Google it. It's terrible. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, anyway. He wanted a Ryan's World treasure box. That's what he really wanted. And so from the time we were at Target to Christmas, I really want this. He gets it. We got it on Christmas. This thing was more than what it should be. And, and we get this. And it's got little toys inside. He was so excited when he got it. He opened it up. He played with it. He doesn't even know this thing exists right now. I mean, I could throw it away in the trash. He would never even know. My point is, he spent so much time and energy into something that he really wanted, that he really thought was going to be, and it was only of temporary value and pleasure. And Jesus is saying, my church has value, things of eternal significance, treasures that will never go away. And we so naturally will get into this position of chasing after treasure, square footage. Oh my gosh, I would, that would be so nice to have so much more square footage. A vacation, a promotion, marriage, the relationships, I, a car. I really don't like my 2002 Ford Explorer. I really want a new car. None of those things are bad. And we will worry about them. We will spend so much time and effort on them. And the pleasure and the value of those things are earthly and they may not have any eternal 
significance. When Jesus puts the my in front of church, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I can't dismiss what he is saying about this ecclesia. My church, my Lord and Savior. He's, no other, no other hospitals don't get this distinction. Schools don't get this distinction. Banks don't get this distinction. Hey, my bank, my bank is going to do this, or the hospitals. No, he says my church. This is the tool, the organism that he's going to use to reach the world. And it goes into what I'm, I'm going to end up with is hope. He's, when he puts the my in front of it, it also means this ecclesia is going to bring hope to the world. We read over something that probably isn't highlighted in your Bible, but it is of very important significance in this passage of Scripture. It is the location that he is making the statement. If you go back to the first verse that I wrote, he says, he says um, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea Philippi, you need to maybe underline that or highlight that. Matthew put that in there for, for good reason. I think it's very important. Caesarea Philippi is about 100 miles north of Jerusalem. It's not in Israel's territory. It's in Gentile territory. It's out of bounds in a sense. Jews weren't supposed to mix with Gentiles. And, yet, and you can't just, it's not like you're passing through this place. It's like Los Alamos. Like if you want to go to Los Alamos, you've got to go to Los Alamos, right? He, he's making a point by going to this place. This place, Caesarea, Caesar, all right? So it's a very Roman place, has a lot of different gods there. Caesar was recognized as a deity. So they had a great marble uh, white temple for Herod there. You see a picture. One is of modern day, uh, um, modern, modern day Caesarea Philippi. And then another picture is one of what it might have looked like back in the day. Baal worship was significant there. Also, you had the Greek god Hades, that cave. Was, there's a spring coming out of there. So anywhere they saw this deep cave of water, things springing up out of the deep, that was a place for, for Hades, the god of the dead. So I can imagine Jesus being there in that moment, saying, not even the powers of death and Hades right there. Not, look at it. That won't even stop this thing. It's right in front of them. But one of the big gods of Caesarea Philippi that they celebrated was the god called Pan, which was the god of nature and the god of fertility. All right, so in a, in a world where things were spiritual, but anything goes. Think, think, think of Las Vegas on the strip at night, all right? I remember going there as a teenager with my parents on a vacation one time, and boo, you know, you have a sex god there where anything and everything goes and allows. And Jesus says, this is the place where we're going to start our church. Pan, the god Pan, Pan. It's where we get Pan, like demic, like confusion, panic, craziness, like 
while. I would have some confusion. You can imagine those boys kind of looking around, jaws dropped, eyes open, like, what? Why would Jesus choose this place, the filthiest morally place to start? And I think Jesus is making a point. Boys, do look around because this is why I came. And this is who we're going to try and reach. These people I love and they need God. I can, I can imagine him looking at Matthew and the guy saying, hey, this is how I've ran my ministry. Matthew, you remember. Matthew, you remember when, I, when, when we started this relationship and you threw a party at your house, Matthew. And I went there. We were all there. And then the religious people came in and says, why do you eat with such scum? Remember how that made you feel and all those feel. And I'm like, that's how I ran my ministry. That's who I'm coming for. Jesus, this gives hope because Jesus was not afraid of the darkness. He was not afraid of the mess. He would actually say, we're going to go to it. This, is a, this ecclesia is a movement that is meant to transcend boundaries. We will, we will go be a light in the darkness. We are going to go outside of these walls. We're going to go outside of the boundaries of your comfort level and take steps of faith and go bring hope to these people. I think he's making a point when he is there. And that's his church. And as we celebrate four years of Freedom Church, the mission hasn't changed. That's what I want this church to be. A church that understands the why behind church. Because when I say, hey, let's go serve in Freedom Kids, why don't you go join a connect group and start building relationships? None of that really makes sense unless you understand this, of why he started the church in the first place and who he's trying to reach and what he's trying to do in this mission. And then he says, okay, you got purpose. You got a promise of power. You got my presence. So go. Go. You have victory. Don't let anyone or anything stifle you or paralyze you. Don't let anything distract you from the, from the mission. Don't let anything distract you. Go. And I mentioned last week, our vision for this year is faith. Faith that is active. And I want to kind of hit on that. I know I've gone over time, but I'm feeling it. It's birthday number four, so, and I like to talk. So I'm going to give you a bonus. Bonus word. Purpose. Promise. Presence. And potential. Potential. All of this is theology until you take a next step of faith and act on it. Then it becomes reality. We can talk about this all day long. And believe me, I love to talk church theology. But I'm more about reality. My church has value, has hope for the world. That is a re current day, present reality right now. When we leave here, people are desperate and overwhelmed and trying anything and everything. Pleasure, pan, 
any sort of God or spirituality to fill this void. And we have the reality that God loves them and Jesus is the way. And in and, and my heart here, for a lot of people here, I really do believe online, in person, you, you really like Freedom Church. For a lot, for, you're, like, you're like, I love Freedom Church. God has been working in my life. I, I, I like it. At the same time, there's a little bit of like, I don't really know the direction we're headed or why we do certain things that we do or, or how to really get plugged in. And in that, like I recognize that as a leadership team, we're learning and we're going to work to help find ways for you to plug in. You're like, I like it. I want to get it more or get more involved, but how? And I get that. Like, it's, sometimes it's hard and we're trying to make that easier. But let me just tell you as a pastor, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. But besides programs or catchy slogans, it's really just you living this out. Turning your theology into a reality. That's going to get my heartbeat as a pastor just going and saying, go and go and go and go and go. And that really is what's going to reach this world. So we'll figure out all the logistical things here. But if you would just live out your faith, like, like many of you are already doing when God speaks, that is going to reach this world. That's the, that's the stuff where you turn your theology, your faith theology into a faith reality and you act on it and somebody is going to get healed. Like a miracle is going to happen because you saw the hope and value that Jesus brings through his church. I am the church. I believe it. I'm walking in victory. I'm not distracted or discouraged. And you're going to see someone get healed. That's the stuff that's going to wake people up. You're, you're going to start turning your faith from a theology to a reality, and someone in your work environment is going to have the eternity changed. They're going to get saved because you started speaking up and sharing the good news with them. And God's going to work through you. That's the stuff that changes the world. Individual people living out their faith. And that's exactly what these guys did. Despite all the discouragement, despite everything that they act, they believed, they acted, they, they got plugged in, and God did amazing things. And I believe he did it before. I believe he can do it again. He hasn't left his church. He hasn't left this church. He hasn't left you. He's with you. He's for you. And he doesn't lose. All right, so let's stand. That's stand. That's, that's the birthday message. It's the same one from the beginning. That Jesus, this is your church. As my good friend Becky Schwarzkopf said when we first started this church, I, I think she might be online today. We didn't come here to play church. We came here to go be the church. And that is the drumbeat of my heart. That is the drumbeat of the leadership. That is the drumbeat of the people of this church serving and leading and inviting and sharing and giving and just all of these things that we saw happening in the first church and we're just trying our best to live it out. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of it, that we get to do this. May we thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired. 
to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.